Welcome to Everyday Wellness. I'm Kelly Donahue, clinical health psychologist, here with my colleague, Cynthia Thurlow. I'm a nurse practitioner, and we are both super passionate about food, here to educate, inspire, and advocate for you for your best health. Hey, hey, wanted to come to you today and talk to you about some of the things that Kelly and I are really loving these days. And one of them are the Dry Farm Wines. And I'm not sure how much you know about this company, but what really makes them different and unique is that they are sourcing wines from organic vineyards where there are low to no sugar or carbs. And interestingly enough, most modern wines have more sugar than a liter of soda. Scary, right? They're lower in alcohol, they're lower in sulfites, and sulfites are kind of those things that can cause a lot of uh, symptoms. You know, sometimes people will get headaches and histamine responses, etc. They are one of our sponsors for our podcast, and we'd love for you to take advantage of trying out some of their wines. They have lots of options. I love their rosés, but you can go to www.dryfarmwines.com backslash Cynthia Thurlow and you can check out what they have there and try some things out and definitely let us know what you think. Hey, it has been a long time since Kelly and I have had the opportunity to record a podcast together. And I know so many of you have reached out. We love your messages to let us know how much you missed hearing the two of us just have our normal banter. So we are back. We have survived the summer with our kiddos. Our kids are back in school. Kelly, I know your son went back to school a little later than my boys. So when did, when did Wes start back? Yeah, he started back the day after Labor Day. Wow. Yeah. And, and it my- was challenging because like the last two weeks, we didn't have consistent childcare because all of the college students go back to college. And How dare they? Ones run- I know, right? They were the run- <laughs> ones running the super fun camps that he loved. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was a challenging last couple of weeks of summer. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine with a teen and a tween, mm. I can't tell you how much they needed to stop sleeping in until 10 a.m. and go to bed at a reasonable time. And yeah. so now they are, um, we're in week three. So it'll be interesting. Next week will be the first five day school week they've had. And that'll be week four of school. So oh, wow. I think they're in for a little bit of a rude awakening. But nonetheless, they're back in school, which is great. Yeah, structure for all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But today, I have something really, we're really excited to discuss an article that was shared with me by uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who I actually met at Mindshare in San Diego last month, just by pure happenstance. He was seated next to me at a dinner, and he could not have been more down to earth, nice, gracious, and humble. When I asked him what his background was, he said, I am happily married to the love of my life. I have, you know, kids and grandkids. And oh, by the way, I also happen to mm-hmm. be the father of uh, functional medicine, which completely blew my mind away because we had been speaking for about 30 minutes and it was, it was completely substantial conversation, could not have been more gracious. And so we're super excited to let everyone know we will bring, be bringing him on the podcast, hopefully later this fall, early winter. But he did share with me a really interesting article uh, talking about personal personalized lifestyle medicine. And so I know a lot of what Kelly and I talk about is bioindividuality, 
In fact, jokingly, the other day on social media, someone was laughing and they said they heard that out of someone else's mouth. They're like, oh, that's something Cynthia made up. I was like, no, 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 no. That's hot <laughs> in our nutrition program. Um, but Kelly, I'd love to hear, like, what were your first thoughts when you started looking through this? Did everything like resonate for you like it did for me? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that you and I both practice lifestyle medicine with our clients in different ways but I don't think that we necessarily use that terminology. Mm -hmm. And his paper that he put out was from 2013. So it's been, it's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think we're just catching on in a lot of different arenas. Yeah. I wanted to start by defining what lifestyle medicine is. So in his paper, Dr. Bland says that lifestyle medicine is the application of simple, natural healing approaches to chronic disease and prevention. And to me, that sounds like everyday wellness, mm -hmm. right? That's what we're doing. You know, that's what, that's what we're hoping for our clients and our audience to really understand is that there are a lot of simple tools that we can use not only to treat chronic disease, which is oftentimes when you and I see people mm -hmm. and they already have diagnoses or things are really going wrong, but also in the prevention of getting to that point where they need larger interventions. And I think that's really critical. I think people having the ability to have some control over their health and their wellness is really critical because our Western medicine model is really designed to worry about things after the fact, you know, after you've gotten mm -hmm. sick, after you've developed diabetes or obesity um, or cardiovascular disease. And so one interesting fact that was mentioned in here was saying that, that most, about 60 to 70% of healthcare visits in industrialized countries are correlated with these quote unquote lifestyle induced preventable diseases. So what does that really say? We have some control over some of these things. Obviously, not necessarily genetics, we can't change the people we were born from. However, uh, it just beckons the need for us to be much more proactive about talking to our patients about the choices that we make in our day-to-day -day lives, whether we sleep properly, we eat the right foods, we move our bodies, we engage in positive life-affirming activities. How's that? <laughs> yeah. And I think before we go further, I just want to make sure that we um, give the name of the article. So it is called Personalized Lifestyle Medicine, Relevance for Nutrition and Lifestyle Recommendations. And we'll link to it in our show notes. And one of the things that they do is they break down what it means to practice lifestyle medicine. So we gave you the definition. And it's really so simple. And I think that that is part of the issue, actually, because it's so simple. People think, oh, that can't work. Like, I definitely need a 50-step diet with this crazy training plan to make a difference. And that's really not the case. So what they say is that it's all about nutrition, physical activity, stress management and behavior modification to include things like mind-body medicine, having a good social network, and also environmental exposures to things that are in our air, in our beauty products, in our cleaning products. So when we break it down like that, it seems pretty doable and it seems like things that we can do every day. And I think it's interesting because you know, in my experience, we don't talk enough to our patients. We don't talk about these things enough, and yet they can impact our health in such profoundly and pervasive negatively, negative ways. So I'm really glad that I, I was actually delighted when I read the article to see that, that was also included. 
But what's really stressed in this article is patient focused. Yes, I was just about to say that too. Mm -hmm. I think that we need to think about each patient as coming into our offices being in a different place. And that's why a one-size diet plan, a one-size exercise plan, a one-size self-care plan isn't going to work. It has to be personalized because we are all different people. And I think, you know, the other piece of that is that I know when I was actively prescribing on a daily basis, there was definitely this one-size-fits-all mentality that every patient who has cardiovascular disease needs these drugs. Every single patient who has diabetes needs these specific drugs. And yet, we don't take into account largely the fact that there are so many other factors that impact the, our body's abilities to process, assimilate, absorb, not absorb, eliminate, uh, you know, foods, toxins, personal care products, um, nutrition, physical activity, all those things. There's so many, there's so many other variables that we really just don't consider when we're trained traditionally. So, you know, this, from this perspective, it gives me a great deal of hope that moving forward, uh, you know, the tide is shifting profoundly. Totally. Another thing that I think this article highlighted was the role of stress. Mm -hmm. So it talks about how nutrition and physical activity and other behavioral changes really won't be able to be implemented consistently if there is this underlying level of stress that's mm-hmm. unmanaged, because that will overturn the apple cart every single time mm-hmm. we go to make choices about what we want to eat or do we want to go for a walk or, or watch Netflix. If we're feeling stressed, we're more likely to make poor choices in those arenas. And I think that we give lip service to stress management, mm-hmm. uh, or it's a thing that we just do, or it has to look a certain way. But I think that when we think about actually implementing it, we might not see one how easy it can be and two how profound the effects can be. Absolutely. And it was interesting. There was a study that was referenced in the article itself that talked about infants that are exposed. Let me see if I can pull it up. Um, children subjected to abuse have decreased hippocampal expression. And so you think about it, what they're actually referring to is the hippocampus is in the brain. And so, you know, from a very early age, if, if children, infants, young adults experience traumas uh, or under undue amount of stress, it can cause permanent impact, permanent damage to this part of the brain that allows them to perceive stress. And so it goes on to talk about there are genetic susceptibilities. There are some people who are going to be more sensitive to those kinds of uh, traumas and situations, and it can kind of set people up for developing PTSD. And so you just start thinking about, you view the world so differently when you recognize that um, so much of stress can be from how we are designed to be from day one. It might not just be that something that happened when we're 25 triggers something in us. Could have been the maybe the abuse or totally. um, the trauma that someone experienced. And, and I'm thinking from the context as a parent, <laughs> I think every parent out there is convinced that they let their kid cry it out when they're an infant. We're somehow traumatizing <laughs> them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you know significant things that happen, unfortunately, to children. Um, infants and young adults, or even adults for that matter, but just recognizing how profound that impact can be that just because you can't see the damage doesn't mean it isn't there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the research is showing this now with so many of the studies that look at ACEs or adverse childhood events. It really speaks to what you're talking about with 
I've been using MitoPure for the last two years, and I've added this to my routine for multiple reasons. Number one, it's a foundational supplement for me and my family. It keeps things simple, and I know that I cannot get enough of urolithin A in my food to derive the same benefits. And if you're not familiarized with urolithin A, it's a signaling molecule, but it's also actively involved in anti-aging, energy production. And I take Timeline because of its remarkable remarkable healthy aging solution that activates key critical cellular pathways in my body. It's a total game changer for healthy aging. I alternate between using the soft gels and powder depending on whether or not I'm traveling. And we know that restoring cellular energy is a key to enduring health. And this is concluded in a recent publication in Nature Metabolism, which is a top scientific journal identifying that newly energized cells may provide many more years of healthy life to people. Yet as we age, we know that cellular energy production naturally declines and reduces our prospects of optimal health and longevity. That's the great thing about Timeline is you can restore cellular energy and support healthy aging. I've noticed the biggest improvements in my energy and sleep levels. We know that Timeline is clinically shown to give our cellular energy generators, the mitochondria, new power. And when taken daily, it replaces aging mitochondria. So it upregulates mitophagy and rebuilds new ones or mitogenesis. Timeline is the only nutrient that can do what it does. So Timeline renews your cells to a more powerful state. My listeners can get 10% off your first order at timeline.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off at timeline.com dot com slash Cynthia. I know you're going to love this product. Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients. And it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, trans resveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy, provide mental clarity, and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix that needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link DrAnna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious. Abuse, neglect. And I think that these things can be big and they can be little. We've talked before about trauma with a capital T and trauma with a small T. And I think that trauma with a small T run repeated over time can be just as significant, if not more than a major trauma. Yeah. That's not to say that these things can't be healed. I think like you said, it just makes people more susceptible mm-hmm. to all kinds of lifestyle issues, anxiety, depression mm-hmm. issues, um, probably problems with the endocrine system. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's, it's also interesting when we talk about, um, you know, the lifestyle choices piece as it pertains to stressors and nutrition, 
there's a woman that I actually had the opportunity to meet who is also coming on the podcast, Trudy Scott. Ooh, uh, yes. And so she's a big researcher on neurotransmitters and the role of anxiety and depression. And so when we talk about nutrition and we talk about anxiety and depression and stressors, really begets, you know, the food we eat has profound impact on how we view the world. It can make our anxiety and depression worse or it can make it better because we know the bulk of our neurotransmitters are produced in the gut, somewhere between 75 and 85%. So if you're eating a garbage diet and profoundly depressed, and I see quite a bit of that, or if you're eating a whole foods, kind of more nutrient dense foods, and then you are not dealing with, or you're having reduced levels of anxiety and depression, really speaks to that. And Kelly, I'm sure in your you know clinical practice, you probably see quite a bit of this. I know that you work on both mental health and then the nutrition piece. How do you really kind of delve into that with your patients? really depends on where they are. So some clients come to me with the expectation and maybe the hope that they'll have sort of more traditional therapy experience. And we definitely go down that route and look at cognitive behavioral therapies and mindfulness and meditation. But I tell them that I would be remiss if we didn't look at what they were eating. And some of them sort of see it as like, okay, well, I'll just tell you what I'm eating and then we can get on with things. But what we discover is oftentimes when their diet is is either just not helpful at all, it's got way too many processed carbs and unhealthy fats, or two, they actually have food sensitivities. And I see this more with anxiety than depression, mm -hmm. but their food sensitivities mm -hmm. can actually trigger an anxiety-like response. And so when the food causes us to have a high heart rate, a faster pulse, which we know mm -hmm. foods that we're sensitive to can do, the body can interpret that as anxiety kind of puts that label on it. And so then it, it could be something as simple as that, that, that people have been anxious, they've been dealing with, have been anxious about their whole entire lives. So I think that it's important to look at all of these different aspects. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a hugely deep dive into nutrition. Sometimes it's just like, okay, let's get some more water into your diet. Let's get some more omega-3 fatty acids, which we know are really helpful for depression. Um, so I think that it really depends on what the client is coming in with and how many of these adverse childhood experiences they have, what their thinking strategies are, and what their diet and activity looks like. It's amazing. It really is. I'm, I'm just delighted. Like when I actually read through this, uh, it made me very, very grateful that there is, you know, good research that's being done and being looked at. Now, I'd love to pivot a little bit. There were things that I used to tell my patients when I was first a new nurse practitioner that have kind of fallen out of vogue, at least in kind of my world. Um, you know, we used to tell everyone that they needed to have lots of whole grains and lots of seed oils and fat-free and low-fat. And so interestingly enough, this, um, this, this research article actually goes through and compares differing uh, opinions on you know, daily recommendations for nutrition, including like the American Heart Association. They're looking at the American Cancer Society guidelines, for example. And sure enough, they're still in here, which, you know, I thought was really disappointing because we recognize, you know, what's wrong with whole grains? Well, it depends on whether or not they inflame your body or don't, but there's so much cross-contamination with gluten. And then the other piece is anything that's low fat or non-fat, if they take the fat out, they add a lot more sugar. And so we are a heavily sugar-fied nation. And so anything we can do to pull out fake fats or um, excess sugar is really the direction we want to go in. But it's, it's always disappointing when I look at some of these guidelines as they are currently stated. 
basically suggesting those kinds of um, those kinds of foods. But I am, however, happy that they are talking about increasing fruit and vegetable intake. Although, let's be honest, most Americans have three pieces of fruit to one vegetable. I'd rather it be the reverse. Um, I did like that they talked about brightly pigmented vegetables, which makes me, you know, that kind of, you know, my nerdy heart. They talk about, you know, good good quality protein options. They talk about seafood. So they're getting some things right for sure. Yeah. And another thing that I liked they talked about was using either a low carb or a potentially lower fat diet, depending on the issue that's going on. They said that those might be effective, but only for up to a year. So I think that that's hilarious. Also, right. But this also goes back to that idea of it being personalized mm -hmm. and how some things may work for some people and not for others. So what's your take? Cynthia, on, on a lower fat diet for some people? Hmm. Well, I think if fat is satiating, fat is good for hormones, fat is good for um, cushioning joints. When we put people on lower fat diets, I always get concerned that they may not be getting enough satiety in their diet. So think about it. When we sit down for a meal and if we have fat, that's what keeps us full and satiated and slows the absorption of all those nutrients. What I typically saw when people were on low-fat diets is that their hair and nails looked terrible. They would oftentimes have issues with depression. They would, um, in the case of some men, that would share with me that they were having issues with erectile dysfunction. So you think about the downward effect of you're not eating enough healthy fats, you're not making good quality cholesterol. Cholesterol helps break down to all these other sex hormones. So if you're not getting sufficient healthy fats, it can impact so many things. And so I used to see a lot of issues with um, libido problems. Um, uh, although ironically, the men were the ones that were always happy to share that with me and the women would never talk about it. Of course not. Yeah. That, that's very, that's very gauche, very puritanical. So, um, from my perspective, I think that what you see with a lower fat diet is they're not getting sufficient su support for healthy neurotransmitters, healthy hormones, et cetera, uh, which has a lot of downturn effect, but it also means that they're probably consuming a lot more sugar in their diet and a lot more processed carbs. And so that's of greater concern to me because I truly believe that we've got our macros, our protein, fat, and carbohydrates are so largely skewed to processed carbs, which is what gets people into trouble. So definitely a twofold issue. First with that, not having enough healthy fats in your diet and what that will create. But then the secondary issue is if you're not getting the healthy fats, you're getting more carbs and sugar. And those aren't the kinds of carbs and sugar we need to be consuming. Right. And then I think we also need to caution or at least to think thoroughly about the low carb diets too, mm -hmm. because those can look very different. We know that we have keto and paleo and those diets tend to be lower carb, but that also means that they will be higher fat just mm -hmm. because the macronutrient ratios have to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to make sure that people are consuming more fat, that it's high quality fat. Right. Right. And I think you know, it was interesting. There was a whole Twitter war recently about a pound of bacon and you know we've we've learned a lot about saturated fat, how important saturated fat is in our diets. You know, good quality saturated fat. And your point is excellent. And we even interviewed um, um, a gentleman earlier this year talking about the ketogenic diet and how when he was first doing keto goes Italian, uh, Anthony Giordano. And so he was saying, when I first did keto, I just did tons and tons of fat. I felt horrible. I could barely move. And so really, a ketogenic diet is is higher protein balanced fats, and then low carbs or no carbs, and really looking at what works for you and your body. Because I see some people on Instagram and Twitter and elsewhere, 
their ketogenic diets, I mean, I don't, if I ate that much quantity of food at one setting, I wouldn't be hungry for two days. Um, so it goes back to what works for you and your body. And just like anything, whatever's in vogue, whether it's a ketogenic diet, primal, paleo, et cetera. A great deal about our focus on everyday wellness is on supporting gut health. And one of my new favorite ways to recommend to family and friends and even clients is to consider colostrum. And so Equip Foods has an amazing product that helps to improve immunity and gut health and recovery. And each scoop contains grass-fed, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free colostrum. And if you're wondering what colostrum is, it's a nutritional powerhouse that serves as the first source of nutrition for mammals in nature. It's been shown to enhance immune function, gut health, and recovery with vital nutrients such as lactoferrin, growth factors, and prolon-rich polypeptides. Colostrum is a natural milk-like fluid produced by mammals immediately following delivery of the newborn. And while colostrum is a dairy product, it does not contain milk or lactose. So most people with lactose intolerance usually find colostrum very easily digestible and beneficial to gut health. You can use one scoop a day. You can mix it in things like coffee or mix it in shakes or even yogurt or even some of your baked food recipes. As I mentioned, has a lot of health benefits, including research demonstrating the improvement in a reduction in inflammation, promoting good gut flora, and supporting restoring leaky gut to normal permeability. And what I love best is that Equip Foods is very ethically focused. Their cows are humanely raised and ethically treated, and cows produce an excess of colostrum when nursing. So only after their babies get what they need are they able to source the excess colostrum for use in their products. There is three grams of colostrum in each scoop and one serving in comparison to main competitors has just one gram. And research demonstrates that this dose of three grams actually promotes more benefits to gut health, immune function, recovery, and vitality. So if you'd love to take care of your health, you can go to www.equipfoods.com slash Cynthia20 to get 20% off your first order. That's www.equipfoods.com slash Cynthia20. You definitely want to check this out. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 
over 12 month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Uh, It makes people curious to try different options, which I think is fantastic. But there's always a right way to do a particular nutrient-dense diet and a wrong way. And I think, you know, a lot of these diets are coming about because people are, are looking for strategies. They're looking for different ways to go about um, improving their health. And there's, there can, there's always going to be a junkified option. Mm-hmm. So there is junk keto, there's junk primal, there's junk paleo, there's proliferates. We are a society that really likes our processed foods. And so that's where I always kind of put the caution that you should still be eating foods that look pretty close to what their natural state is. So you know, having your steak, having some broccoli, deciding is this a day that you're carving up or carving down um, if you do carbs. Uh, and let's be clear, there's very few people that are really eating a no carb diet because you get carbs from your vegetables, even like your green leafy vegetables. So um, I think they're speaking more to the sweet potatoes and the fruit and you know grains and gluten and those kinds of things. But yeah, it is definitely a little bit of a slippery slope. And, and it goes back to what works for you and your body, checking in with your body. What's your energy like? What's your sleep like? Do you have a libido? Um, a good example of low carb that doesn't necessarily work for everyone is that we know for most women, they need to have about 50 grams of carbs a day. And I'm saying most, please don't send us any angry emails. Most <laughs> people need at least 50 grams of carbs a day, good quality carbs in order to, you know, produce healthy hormones to have, you know, for their thyroid to be happy. And I speak from personal experience when I went really low carb about five years ago, I felt good for a while <laughs> and then I didn't. And by the time I realized what I was doing that wasn't working well for my body, by that point, it took me a while to come, to come back to where I am today. But the point being, you know, experiment, try new things, be open-minded. I mean, that's definitely what Kelly and I are, are saying. It's just, you know, recognize that there's no one-size-fits-all nutrition program or physical activity program or, you know, these guidelines are probably very difficult to write. Um, I want to be sensitive to that, but there's no way for everyone to work well with one particular diet. Right. I totally agree with that. And I think at the same time, many of these diets, when practiced in a healthy way, have many things in common. Mm-hmm. And that is eating high quality vegetables to include mm-hmm. lots of leafy greens and to include good quality protein sources and high quality fat sources, whether the, you know, the quantities need to be tailored based on mm-hmm. your own individual genotype and level of activity and all of that. But the guidelines really point to the fact that can't really go wrong with vegetables, some fruit, and some healthy protein and fat. Absolutely. And and I think it's it's interesting. I think we, as a society, we really overthink food. 
to the point where we are convinced in many ways that we are incapable of cooking our food anymore. We've been taught that by the processed food industry. They want us to buy, um, you know, prepared meals. They want us to believe that, you know, we have to snack well our kid. We have to, you know, buy these Lunchables because we can't come up with a proper, you know, menu for our children to take to school. And so I think it's really unfortunate. And, and my hope is that, you know, we can be part of this group of individuals that are really encouraging people to get back to basics. Don't make it overcomplicated. I mean, I'll be the first person to say we, we batch cook in our house like crazy because that's what works really well for us. I will, you know, steam vegetables the day of because that's easy, but we just batch cook like crazy so that we always have options. We have protein options. Um, fish is one of the few things we don't cook ahead of time. We will uh, usually just grill that or try to grill it as much as possible. So we don't stink up the house. Um, you know, fish is definitely something that we will try to do the day of, but most other things you can prepare ahead of time. If you do grains and you can batch cook rice or batch coat yeah. quinoa, or, you know, if you have oatmeal and you want to batch cook, you know, your oats, I mean, those are great ways to kind of stay on course, but yeah, I'm all about getting back to basics, making it simple. I don't do recipes that take hours in the kitchen. I just don't have the bandwidth for it. Yeah. And I think especially now that school is back in session, we need quick, healthy options to mm -hmm. turn to for dinner, things that are ready to go. And if you're doing the batch cooking, then it becomes as simple as using the processed food because it's right there and it's ready to go. And then you can control all the ingredients. You don't have to worry about seed oils, yeah. any of those nasty things. Yeah. You know, one other thing that this article pointed out, and this was one thing that really stood out to me in our nutrition training, which is, disease doesn't just show up one day. There are a series of behaviors that lead to it and a series of markers that show up, whether that's markers in blood work or how you're feeling or what's happening on the scale or what's happening with your mood, or as you mentioned before, how your skin looks or your hair looks or your nails look. And so I think that what I want people to take from this is that everyone can start where they are and implement some of these lifestyle medicine recommendations. Because even if you just have a few nagging things that are bothering you, those things could be symptoms of something larger that's about to happen down the road, whether that's in two years or five years, or 15 years. But doing something about it now can be really helpful. And, and these things are fairly easy to implement. Now, just because that they're simple or easy on paper doesn't mean that it's not going to take some time to make these shifts in your life. Because as you're talking about getting back to basics, it's so important to do that. And it seems easy to steam broccoli and cook some rice ahead of time. But when we're not used to that, when our brain pathways are set to pull out the frozen pizza, it's going to take some time, just like it takes time to learn any other new skill, a new sport, a new language. So I, I really want people to be gentle with themselves when they're trying to do this. Even though it seems easy, it's just vegetables, it's just protein. It is a new process. And that's a really good point. And I always use the term slow and steady, that slow and steady uh -huh. wins the race. So make one change each week, just one. Figure out what, whatever one you want to tackle first and really you know, dive into that. I think when we have this kind of all or nothing mentality that we have to change everything all at once, you're not gonna be successful. It's a really rare person that can do that. And so I would just encourage everyone to make one small change today or on Monday or this weekend that can you know, catapult your health forward. That's really what it's all about is slow and steady. 
Right, because that changes the trajectory. Mm-hmm. So I had a client who said, you know, I wanted to eat four cookies after dinner, but instead I just had one. And she was beating herself up about having this one, just one cookie. But in some ways, this was a huge thing for her to be able to say no to the additional three cookies. And so we talked about what that might look like in a longer term trajectory. Ideally, we'd want her to eat something else or not have a cookie at all. Mm-hmm. But that decision made regularly and any of these lifestyle decisions made regularly implementing them one at a time like you're mentioning over time is going to change your trajectory where you end up in six months a year five years down the road that's amazing well y'all we are going to try to keep this short and sweet but I want you all to know that we, Kelly and I are going to be recording again. We're going to kind of be intermixing that with some of our guest podcast episodes. Um, Definitely let us know if there's something of interest to you, or you want us to dive into something a little bit more deeply than we've done before. We've got some great ideas that we're going to be bringing to you this fall, but want to let you know that we value and thank you for your listenership and your feedback. Um, We read each and every one of your emails and really appreciate it all. Yeah, definitely. And we have a a little special gift for you for listening to this podcast. And if you want to take your understanding of lifestyle medicine a bit deeper as it applies to feelings of anxiety or depression, you can check out our resource at kellydonahuephd.com slash lifestyle medicine. And there you can get two resources, one that looks at these types of approaches for helping to heal anxiety and one for depression. So we hope that you'll check those out and we'll keep that in the show notes too. Thanks so much for listening. If you have questions or would like us to discuss a certain topic, please feel free to email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can find out more about Kelly at kellydonahuephd.com and more about Cynthia at cynthiathurlow.com.